Oh God, on the cusp of the last day of this school year, we bow with that fanfare before you. Just another moment lingering here in your presence, a teaching from Holy Scripture. Please let today's teaching be very clear to our waiting hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an inescapable question that poses a profound dilemma the moment you bring up the subject of guardian angels. For this last week, two flags on this campus have been hanging at half-mast. The flag of the United States and the flag of Jamaica. Because one week ago, one of our seminary doctoral students racing home from work was tragically killed in an automobile accident, leaving behind his grief-stricken widow and three young children whom I visited yesterday. Three cars involved in that collision, four human beings, four guardian angels. So where was a guardian angel for Denroy Black? There's no story anywhere in Scripture that more dramatically poses this question than the one right here. And I need you to see this. This is not our text today, but with our flags at half-mast, we must go here today. Acts. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts. New Testament. Didn't, didn't bring a Bible. Grab the pew Bible in front of you, please. It'll be page 742 in your pew Bible. Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I'll be reading in the New International Version. Whatever translation you have, I'm glad you have it. Acts chapter 12. Let's pick it up in verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod, wicked King Herod, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James... The brother of John, you remember the sons of thunder? This is the elder of the two. Buddies with Peter and Andrew, one of the first disciples Jesus would call. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword, beheaded. Then verse 3, when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verse 4, after arresting Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover and do the same thing. Take that head off. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. You know the story well. In answer to the church's prayers, Peter's guardian angel shows up at midnight and delivers Peter with this dramatic jailbreak. So we know where Peter's guardian was, doing his duty and rescuing his human charge. So where is the guardian angel of James? Two beloved disciples of Jesus, 
One guardian angel spares his charge. The other guardian angel seemingly stands by. Doesn't raise a hand. Why? The moment we raise the question why, we are plunged into the, the, the swirling heart of what's called theodicy. Defending a good God in an evil world. And it's getting harder and harder to do. And God Himself knows it. Which is why He gave us the story of Job in the first place. So that through that story He might draw the veil aside and we might be introduced to a raging conflict between the forces of light and good and darkness and evil. It's because the veil is drawn aside in Job that we have come to understand that ultimately the responsibility for all death is laid at the feet of a guardian angel. I'm telling you what, it's angels from beginning to end in the human story. They're everywhere. An angel, a fallen angel, by the way, who kills Job's children. Where were their guardian angels? But spares Job by divine command. Why did God let the children be killed, but insisted Job be spared? The book of Job never answers the question. At all. Except to pronounce that divine wisdom and divine love will ultimately have the last word. There's a somber line of Scripture. I'll put it on the screen for you. I'd like you to see it, please. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 27, just as man, that would be human, just as humans are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation, to have the last word, to bring salvation to those who are waiting for Him. Look at my humble mind. Here's how, here's how I've worked it through. There is a calendar beside God's throne today. I'm happy to tell you that the calendar of my life is on the wall beside God's throne. Maybe your calendar is there or not. I don't know, but mine is. And it's God tears off a day. Every new day. Oh, another day for Dwight. But in that calendar beside God's throne, God knows, and only God knows, when that day will come when He tears... Whoa, there's nothing behind this slip. He will have come to my last day on earth. I don't believe my guardian angel knows. Jesus said, you know, these angels, they don't even know when I'm coming back. So experiencing life with me, that celestial companion journeys on. But if time lasts long enough, I hate to tell you this, but my day's going to come and Jesus doesn't come. My day will come and that last page will be torn off. And on that day, and I need you to allow me to, 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 to share a personal opinion in human language that will never be able to capture the reality. But on that day, when that last page is torn, the day of my death, through some sort of communication, my guardian angel... who has been with me every day I have breathed, and who loves the Father with all his heart, my guardian angel will receive a communique with the instructions, do not intervene in the events that are about to ensue. It will be counterintuitive to this being because his spiritual gift has always been guard him Protect Him. 
There have been three major times in my life when my parents have drilled into me, boy, your guardian angel saved your life. But there will come a day, I know not how and I know not when, there will come a day when the angel will be instructed. DNR, do not rescue. And when that day comes, I'm going to die. I don't know how, but I'm going to die. But I know in advance of that day that the ultimate responsibility for my death on that day will be laid at the feet of a fallen angel. I know that. Perhaps my guardian angel will weep on that day. I kind of hope he does. Maybe the king of angels will sorrow on that day as he stood beside the tomb of Lazarus and wept. But the guardian angel and the king of angels both know that he, he will have the last word. He who beside Lazarus' tomb declared, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. He will have the last word. Calvary is proof enough that God Himself was not even spared of death. But this much I know. I can't explain it to me. I can't explain it to you. But Christ will have the last word. And therein lies the hope for the Denroy Black family and you and me and all of us. Turn your page backwards in Acts to the, one of the great angel stories in all of the Bible. Go back to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 this is one of the great ones. Acts chapter 10, let's pick it up in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and he prayed to God regularly. Verse 3, one day at about three in the afternoon, hold on, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone. Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened. Go! He sends them to Joppa. Scene two, the next day, this Simon Peter that the angel has given instructions about, he's hungry. He's very hungry. I don't know if he's, he, he was like me, but I tell you what, when I get hungry, my blood sugar drops, I get grumpy, I get antsy, I just have to have something. And they've obviously shooed Peter out of the kitchen. And so he's up on the flat roof of his host's house. He's just pacing. When are they going to get this lunch ready? When all of a sudden he falls into a trance. In that trance, a huge sheet held at four corners is lowered from heaven with every imaginable, abominable creature in it. And an unseen voice speaks. Peter, you hungry? Eat. And Peter fires back, 
but I can't, my Lord. I've never eaten any unclean food. That scene repeats itself three times. And then the sheet is drawn up. And as soon as the sheet with the animals disappears, there is a knock downstairs at the door and some unclean pagan Romans come walking into that house. Scene three. The next day, Peter and his entourage arrive at the, whoa, the palatial home of Cornelius. We'll pick it up. Pick it up in verse 24. And so the following day, he, Peter, arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And he called together his relatives and close friends. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Hey, stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Verse 27, talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Don't you ever read that dream that Peter had at noontime and somehow conclude God said, you can eat anything you want, boy. No, he's not saying that at all. Peter says, I know what the point was. I shouldn't call any human being unclean. So, Peter says in verse 29, when I was sent for, I came thanks to that dream without raising any objection. Now, may I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius says, oh, i got to tell you, just a couple of days ago, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon, and he rehearses the story. A man in shining garments appears to me, gives me your name, says, bring the man here. He'll take it from there. And Peter proceeds, oh, you need to hear the story of Jesus, the Messiah, that's it. And Peter begins to tell the story of Jesus. This Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good healing, raising the dead, was killed, brought back to life. This pagan audience is wrapped with attention. They are so drawn into the story that when Peter gets to the altar call, the Holy Spirit is there ahead of him and whoosh! The mighty third person of the Godhead is poured out on that pagan household. And here's what happens. Look at verse 47. Peter says, hey, listen, can anyone, verse 47, keep these people from being baptized with water, seeing they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So, verse 48, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Isn't that something? Can you believe it? An entire pagan Roman household is saved thanks to the ministry of a shining guardian angel. And thus we discover the fourth mighty role of these unseen companions who stand beside us all. Please take out your study guide. Fourth and final piece in this mini-series. That's right now. Take out your study guide, please. Let's, let, let's nail it in right here at the outset. Reach in your worship bulletin. Pull out your study guide. You didn't get a study guide. Ushers, let's go. Friendly ushers, hold your hand up. You're going to want this study guide. Hold your hand up. Ushers, thank you. All the way up in the balcony, overflow as well. Make sure everybody today gets a study guide. You'll want this. And those of you who are watching on television, we're delighted to have you. This is a wrap-up for a mini-series called Primer on Angels. I'll put it on the screen for you. Primer on Angels. You see the website right under that? www.pmchurch.tv Go to that website. You're looking for today's teaching, Agents of Salvation. When you say Agents of Salvation, it's, it'll say a study guide. And by the way, while you're there, if you missed the first three in this uh, Primer on Angels series, they're all right there. Uh, 
podcast, videocast, everything's there, study guides, so you can get them and you can, you can at your leisure, listen to the entire series yourself. All right, let's go. So you got, stu- you got the study guide? Let's begin right there at the top. Agents of salvation deferred. Agents of salvation deferred. I want to make sure that that little thread of reasoning we shared at the beginning won't be lost to you. So jot it down, will you? What do we have? We have Acts 12. Two angels, only one deliverance. Isn't that something? Two angels, one deliverance. That's what's happening. What's up with that? Ah, Job 1 and 2. Fill it in. The fallen angel is responsible. That's what we know. We know where to lay all of this at whose feet. Jesus was right in Matthew 13. He says, an an enemy has done this. It's the work of an enemy. Our mortal enemy. So Job tells us, the fallen angel is responsible. Don't forget Hebrews 9, 27 to 28. We will all die. Yep, if Jesus doesn't come soon, we will all die. Everybody here. And finally, but hallelujah, he's going to have the last word. John 11, 25. Christ will have the last word. So, God cannot bring salvation. Not the ultimate salvation, living all the way to the end. Nope, it's going to be deferred. I'm sorry. You will now sleep quietly until I return. Agents of salvation deferred, but here's where we want to go right now. Agents of salvation delivered. That's our teaching for this morning. Would you jot that down as well, please? Agents of salvation delivered. Bringing God's salvation to the human heart right here and right now. Agents of salvation delivered. Keep, keep your pen moving. What's the... What's the What's the storyline for Acts 10? Ah, God through His angels constantly seeks the salvation of every lost earth child. That's a long line. Let me give you just a moment to, uh, to uh, fill that in. God through His angels constantly seeks the salvation of every lost earth child. That's the 6.7, human, 6.7 billion human beings right now. Gentile, Jew, third world, first world, educated, illiterate, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. Matters not. All human beings are under God's direct strategic focus. In fact, jot this down. Thus, that makes angels God's frontline missionaries. They're the best missionaries on this planet right now. Angels, God's frontline missionaries. There they are. By the way, Desire of Ages, this classic on the life of Jesus. Isn't this something? Let me just, one more quotation here. Angels of heaven. You have it in your study guide. Angels, can we put it on the screen? There you go. Angels of heaven are passing throughout the length and breadth of the earth, seeking to comfort the sorrowing, to protect the imperiled, to win the hearts of people to Christ. Not one human being is neglected or passed by. God is no respecter of persons, and He has an equal care for all the souls He has created. End quote. So, so I need to ask you a question right now. I hope you don't mind this. I'm going to get a little touchy-feely. I don't want to get too touchy-feely because some people really just resist that. But I need to ask you this. Do you suppose, and help me out here, do you suppose our angels love us? Huh? Do you think our angels love us? I mean, does your guardian angel, does your guardian angel love you? Does my guardian angel love me? I mean, in spite of all that they know of us, and by the way, remember, 24-7, they have been with us all our lives. In spite of all the secrets that you and I have, and they know them all, do they still love us? You say, oh, but come on, Dwight, but of course. And I agree with you. I mean, you think about it. What other intelligent being outside of Almighty God Himself, what other intelligent being has, has every reason 
to love us more than any other person on earth. Your mama loves you deeply. Your daddy loves you too. They haven't been with you, however, as long as your unseen guardian has been. Of course, of course they love us. Of course our guardian angels love us. Then would it be true? Help me out here. Keep, keep going. Would it be true of the most wretched and lost human beings on this planet right now? Are they loved? Are they loved by their guardian angels? She, he, deeply loved by that young prince of darkness, that, that young prince of heaven, rather, that stands beside her. <laughs> yeah, well, we got that clear. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? I don't want to be misunderstood with that point. Yeah. So that young prince of heaven that stands beside him, that stands beside her, loved the most lost human being you can think of? And let me run this by you. What about that skin and bones alcoholic lying drunk right now in that gutter sewer in the bowels of Calcutta? Is he loved by the angel companion who now is guarding him as he lies there inebriated in that puddle of sewage? Is he being loved by that being that stands beside him? Huh? What about the prostitute who sobs in that dark alleyway begging for God to end her life? Is she loved by the angel who knows her sullied and stained existence? Is she loved by that being? Let me try one more for size on you. The most powerful man on earth who at this moment is doing I don't know what. But don't you suppose they were standing beside President Barack Obama at this very moment, an ambassador from the Most High God who deeply loves this world leader, who has been with him every breath he has taken in this life. Isn't he under care of heaven itself? But of course, they're agents of salvation, all of them, these celestial beings, these celestial missionaries sent from God to save the human race. Every earth child that responds will be drawn. Every earth child. In fact, this is the theme text that we uh, began this little mini-series with. One last time, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Write it down, will you, in your study guide. Only in the life to come will we know, will we discover how much we owe to the selfless ministry of these ministers of flame. That was part one in this series. Ministers of Flame. These guardians of earth. That's part two in the mini-series. These instructors of truth. Our teaching last Sabbath. And finally, these agents of salvation. Only in eternity are we going to know how much we owe. In fact, you think about this. The dramatic story of Cornelius. Isn't it proof enough that if God wanted to, couldn't God actually finish His mission on earth Using only angels. Couldn't he? Using only angels. I mean, come on. Did the angel need Peter to come to get Cornelius straight? The angel could have taught Cornelius directly. Couldn't the angel have? And couldn't Cornelius have accepted Jesus through that angel? So you think about the end of time. Some people say to me, Hey, Dwight, you know what? Man, it's going to take forever to reach this human race. 6.7 billion. (laughs) Listen, think about this. Could God do this? Could there come a day at the end of time when God simply issues a divine edict to all guardian angels on earth? Attention angels stationed on earth. Attention angels. Now hear this. At 2300 GMT, you are instructed to appear before your human charge, materialized in front of her, 
and tell her, tell him, he has 24 hours to choose Jesus Christ as his Savior. Gone. Couldn't God do it? But of course he could. Then why doesn't he do it? I mean, why did he have to bring Peter into this story? Fill it in in your uh, study guide. Desire of Ages. That classic, again, quoting Desire of Ages. God could have reached the object in saving sinners without our aid. Of course He could use the angels. And by the way, God may, God may choose to, in the end, wrap it all up Himself. God could have reached His object in saving sinners without our aid, but in order for us to develop a character like Christ, isn't that something? In order for us to develop a character like Christ, we must share in His work. In order to enter into His joy, the joy of seeing souls redeemed. Would you write that in? That's the joy of heaven. All of heaven. What, what sends heaven into singing, the two baptisms we just witnessed today, that what sends heaven into song is the joy of souls redeemed by Christ's sacrifice. In order for us to participate in that joy, we must share in His labors for their redemption. It's part, of, it, it, it's part of the joy that is ours. In fact, there's no char- character formation without it, is there? I mean, how could I, how could I want to go to the Father's home if I don't have the Father's heart? He says, no, 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 come on, Dwight, you need to help me. I can do this myself, but I want you to step in. Look at this also from Desire of Ages a few pages later. We are to be laborers together with the heavenly angels in presenting Jesus to the world. With an almost impatient eagerness, the angels wait for our cooperation. For man and woman must be the channel to communicate with men and women. With almost impatient... Come on, Dwight, how many times have you met this guy? You're always chatting with him. Why don't you say something more than just, how's the weather today? With an almost impatient eagerness. So here's the question in closing. What would it take for you and me to partner with God and His angels in reaching lost earth children for the kingdom. You want to know how it works? It is as simple as this. You remember the story about Philip? You remember Philip with the, uh, the, the, the Ethiopian treasurer of the queen? You remember that story? Just turn one page back. Just one page back to uh, Acts chapter 8. You're in Acts 10. Just go one page back to Acts chapter 8. Look how simple this is. This... this This is amazing. Take a look at this. Acts chapter 8. The story begins. We'll only read one line from the story. Verse 26. Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel... Here's how it works. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south in the road. You know what I'm talking about, Philip. I'm talking about that desert road. Go south in the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So did the angel physically show up in front of Philip and say, Hey, Philip, I want to talk to you. Probably not. Probably what Philip heard was an authoritative voice inside of his mind. Say, hey, listen, you need to move down that road. Gives him a general address. By the way, what's he supposed to do? Not a word. Just go. Sometimes you get an impression just to go somewhere. Just to be somewhere. You may be pumping gas at a station. And you hear a voice inside of you saying, hey, why don't you say something to the guy across the, you know, the guy that's pumping the car across from you? Why don't you just say something? Talk about the weather. See what happens. You may be standing in line at a grocery store. Say to the man, say to the woman in front of you, just, just engage a conversation. Who knows? You may be walking across the campus and maybe, ah, oh, today I don't want to see anybody, but there's something inside of you that says, why don't you just stop that? Hey, how you doing? Just say a word. You'll be surprised, Dwight, what, un- what unfolds just from start the conversation. 
too scary? Oh, man, I'm going to just start a conversation with somebody. What am I supposed to say next? Too nervous? I'll tell you why. You'll never have to be nervous. You never have to be afraid. Jot this down, will you? Never forget. Never forget. Can you believe this? That whenever or wherever, with whomever you share your faith, never forget that the other person's angel is always on your side and your angel's side, meaning three out of four of you work for the same father. How's that? Huh? You think about it. Isn't that true? Whoever's coming to you, he's got a, she's got a guardian angel. That's one. You got a guardian angel. That's two. You, that's three. Every time you attempt to share your faith, the numbers are always on your side. The angels are always on your side. Three to one. What's up with that? Every time you decide to open your mouth, three to one. Three to one. You got it. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. My friend Gary Burns, I'll share a quotation in the story and sit down. Uh, Gary Burns sent me this quotation this last week. This is dynamite. Written, written a century ago. You'll have to fill this in. There is no line of work in which it is possible for the young. Alright, you have to fill that word in. There's no line of work in which it is possible for the young to receive greater benefit. What are you talking about? It's talking about sharing your faith. There's no line of work that will bring greater benefit to your life. You're a young adult right now. Got 3,500 of them at the university. No line of work that will bring greater benefit to you than sharing your faith. Keep going. All who engage in ministry are God's helping hand. I love this. They are co-workers. Isn't that amazing? They are co-workers with the angels. Wow. No, no. Rather, the author goes on, rather, they are the human agencies through whom the angels accomplish their mission. <laughs> you're, you're the missionary that the angel is going to work through to accomplish his mission. Angels speak this is something. Angels speak through their voices. Write that in. And work by their hands. Speaking through your voice. Working through your hands. And the human workers cooperating with heavenly agencies have the benefit. I want to highlight that word. Because guess what? Look at this. The benefit of the angel's education and the angel's experience. Okay, so here's the question. The angel's IQ and my IQ, which one do you think is higher? Don't answer. That was not very nice. <laughs> Who's got the higher IQ? My guardian angel or me? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. Look at this. Isn't that something? You may have the benefit of his education and his experience. How long has he been around? A whole lot longer than I've been around. He has tracked this earth story from the beginning. And he knows exactly what to do when the eventuality appears before him. You and I have the benefit of his education and his experience. University of Heaven. You can't get a degree conferred on you any higher than that one. And that's where they've all been. Wow. And it gets, it gets even better. Watch this. The last sentence. As a means of education. Now, look at university community. Hold on. Don't get all upset about this. Well, what are you talking about? Watch this. As a means of education, what university course can equal this? Whoa. You know what? We have, we have some great university courses here at Andrews University. But as great as they are, and I happen to be teaching one this spring, so I'll look at I'm in this mix. 
as great as all the courses are, nothing can surpass the personal tutoring we can receive from the brilliant intelligences that God has assigned to be our companions all the way through this life. There's no university course that's going to give you what your personal, your personal guardian is able to teach you. Isn't that something? I mean, can you imagine an entire university of young adults teamed up with the angels this summer for God's strategic mission? I see Chaplain Japheth sitting over there. Uh, I said, Chaplain Javeth, how many, how many SMs do we have going out? Well, I said, they said, Dwight, somewhere between 35 and 40 are going out after graduation, heading out into all the world. So let's say 40 are going out. Guess how many guardian angels are going out at the same time? That's 40 angels plus the SMs moving around the planet to use your voice to work by your hand. How many graduates do we have graduating? Mr. President, how many graduates do we have graduating this next uh, weekend? We checked. We found the number. We've got it for you. 600 graduate and undergrad graduates are heading out. That's not just 600 graduates leaving Andrews University. That's 600 graduates plus 600 guardian angels. How many students are going home for the summer, but you're looking forward to coming back? Hallelujah. That's how many students will, that's how many guardian angels will go out over the summer. Four points on the compass. They'll go where you go. Two missionaries everywhere you go. Two missionaries everywhere you go. And how many young adults are going to stay right here? And I'm so glad that we have young adults who hang tough all through the year right here. Guess what? Your angel is staying right here to work in Berrien County alongside of you. And how many of us aren't young but still have angels and can be agents of salvation with our guardians? All of us. Wherever you go, to go. Wherever you go, to go. You're never alone. Ever, ever, ever. Jot it down, will you? It doesn't matter your age. All that counts is that you have a heart to partner with Christ and your angel in His mission on earth. I want to, share, I want to end with a story. I, called my, I tried to get a hold of my mom this week. I said, I want to, I want to make sure that I have the details right in the story. It's, it's from my family tree. I couldn't get a hold of her. You have to take this by faith. Story I was told to me when I was young. I want to pass it on to you. I believe it's my great grandfather. It could be a great cousin or something. I don't know for sure. I was led to believe it was my great grandfather. One night, wrestling in prayer over what God would have him do. Okay, so you see the picture? He's in his bedroom. It's late at night. He's wrestling in prayer. He was considering entering a certain city and there preaching the gospel of Christ to lost people. But there were some huge obstacles in his way and he is just, he is just perplexed to the max. What should I do? God, is it your mind for me to go in? Is it your mind for me not to? Is there a better time? What should I do? And after wrestling with God in prayer, he eventually fell asleep but was awakened in the middle of the night, sensing a presence in his room. He looked down at the foot of his bed. And there stood a being. The being never said a word. He looked up into the face of that being. And that being simply smiled at him and nodded his head. My progenitor (laughs) believed it was the very direction he had been seeking. Hey, listen, I've got to tell you, I've, I've never seen an angel that I know of, okay? I don't know. 
I've never seen an angel. But I believe just as surely as the angel appeared to Cornelius and the angel spoke to Philip, I believe there is an angel who is your companion and I believe there is an angel right here who is my companion. And at the end of this little mini-series, you know what I want to do? I want to, I, 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 I want to dedicate my life to the King of Angels. That's what I want to do. Here's what I want to say to the King of Angels. You know what? You want to use my voice? You may use my voice. You want to use my hands? You may use my hand. You want to use my life? You may use my life. Let this companion that you've assigned to me have free reign to accomplish, oh God, your agenda on this planet to save lost people. I offer you this summer my life. Use me as you wish. Would you like to offer your life to God? I mean, wouldn't you? I'm going to make an invitation right now. I want to invite the student missionaries who are here. If you're a student missionary and you know yourself to be going out after graduation or going out uh, next year sometime, if you're here, I wish you'd just get up out of that seat. There are going to be others coming behind you, so don't feel like you're going to be up here alone. But if you're an SM, I want to invite you to come. Yeah, in the back, come from the back, wherever you are. That's okay. Yeah, just come on, come on. I need to be, got to be proud that you're an SM. Proud that you're one of the 40 going out. Hallelujah. We're proud of you, I tell you. You don't go alone. Two, 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 two. Two, two. That's what's happening. Double. God doubles His investment in this world when you go out. I'm so proud of you. Listen. We are not unmindful that wherever you go, there is danger. We know. You knew what one of our sister colleges went through in a terrible loss just this school year. So you have not, un, you have not stepped in unknowingly into what is the significant mission of Christ that can sometimes call for everything you have. That's okay. Your angel will be with you every step of the way. And I'm proud of you. So here they are. I'm going to invite uh, Chaplain Karen in just a moment to have a dedication prayer with you. But I want to, I want to invite uh, other young adults who are here. If you're a young adult and you know yourself to be, student at this university or not, you're a young adult. You're working in the community already as a young professional. You're a young adult. I want to invite you. Would you, would you be willing to make your life available to the Lord, to the King of Angels and say, listen... You may use my mouth. You may use my hands. Do whatever you wish. Go with me. And I'll find courage in that three-to-one ratio. And I offer my voice in behalf of your mission. If you're a young adult here and you would be willing to make that offer to the Lord Jesus, would you stand and come to your feet and, and just come right here to the front as well. Just come right in here behind these SMs. Just surround them. You're a young adult and you're willing to offer yourself to the Lord Jesus. That's two, 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 two. Two, wherever you go this summer. God goes with you. Your angel sent from the throne room of heaven goes with you. And I'm proud of you. Yeah, if you can't get into the aisle, just stand at your feet where you are. Just stand at your feet where you are. God, you can use my voice. You can use my hands. You can use all of me. Just use me for your mission. You're up in the balcony. Stand to your feet in the balcony or come down if you wish. You're in overflow right now. You're in overflow. Stand right there where you are. You're a young adult. Stand to your feet. And just say, hey, Jesus, I'm with them. We're all together in this. I'm standing to my feet. I'm saying to you, Jesus, my voice, my hands, my life, 
Do whatever you want this summer with me. Do whatever you want for the rest of my life with me. I'm all yours, King of Angels. I owe you everything, Jesus. I am alive today because of that guardian. I am here because you kept me alive for a reason. That reason must be to assist you in your mission. So please take me and use me. Use me right now. While you're standing here, two SMs. I heard three of our young adults sing in chapel. Dr. Andreessen spoke at our final chapel this week, Thursday. And I heard Chloe Lewis sing. Nathan Bedrill. And Kayleen Burt. And I said, oh boy, I want them to sing right now. And so they're going to, while you're standing here, they're going to sing. Where, where are the three of you? Come on up. It's a beautiful song. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And while they're singing, if your heart says, you know what, I just want to come to the King of Angels. I don't know that I can offer Him a whole lot for any mission, but I would just like to come to the King of Angels while they're singing. You want to come up here for this prayer? We'll have in just a moment. Then you come on. You come on forward as they sing this beautiful song.
about the rest of us, do you want to join me in saying, you bet, just like these young adults, Jesus, you can have me, you can have my voice, you can have my heart, have my hands, and have my life. Speak through me. Send your angel with me. Let me be an agent of salvation with you. Amen. Pastor Karen, come lead us in a prayer of dedication. God, you said to your servant Isaiah, you called him your servant, and you told him that he would bring you glory, that the strength would be given to him if he trusted in you for his reward, because you knew him and you formed him just like you know, and you have formed each of these student missionaries, these young adults, these people who have given their hearts and lives to serve you. The Lord will honor you. He will give you strength. And you, all of you here, will do more than restore the people to God. He will make you a light to those who do not know him or see him. And you will bring his salvation to the ends of the earth. God, you see these decisions. You see these hearts and hands that are willing to serve. Honor them. Bless them. Keep them safe. Keep them walking straight in your path. And bring them back to us. Father, for all of those people here, for all of our student missionaries and our young adults, our youth, our adults, our our people with hands willing to serve, to go where you lead them, guide them and lead them. Make the way plain and clear. May our hearts be ever open and ready to hear your word, to hear your calling, to say hello to a stranger. God, thank you for giving us our angels to guide us, to fight on our side as well. Keep us now, we ask in your name. Amen.